Welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, one of the great lost guests of this show, we recorded an episode once and it was taken from us by technology and he is back again with a vengeance because his festival's happening. And so, you know, we, the, the, we had to make it happen now. Maddie Matheson is on the show. My buddy, my buddy. Maddie's on the show. More on that in one second. But first, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on various forms of social media at left for Damien. There's also a email address for the podcast, uh, which is turned out a punk podcast at gmail.com, as well as a Facebook page for the podcast, which is run by my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham. And you send messages and he'll get them to me. He's a little busy right now. we got a lot of stuff going on uh, on the personal side of things, and he's got some other stuff going on in his personal life, too. So, you know, if it takes a while to get back to the messages, we, we both apologize, but we will get back to you as soon as possible. And I just thank you, Tristan, so much for all you do for this thing. He's like a, an amazing support for this podcast. We, I would not be doing it without him. So thank you, Tristan. Uh, you know, that, 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 you know I, I do this privately, too, but, you know, I don't really appreciate all he does generally until I sit down to do this thing. So that's why you hear me do it over this thing. And he still listens to every episode. He gives me notes. He gives me notes, very pleasant notes to get, but he, he definitely gives me notes on the podcast too. So, uh, thank you, Tristan, for all you do for the show. He's my little brother, my little buddy, my bro, you know? Um, and, uh, <laughs> there, uh, is also a Tumblr page as well as an Instagram page and, all sorts of turned out a punk like stuff that you can follow and get in touch with us through. There is also a way to support the show and that's by telling all your friends about it, letting everyone know that you like this thing and you enjoy what we do here on turned out a punk. There's also a Patreon page and uh, I appreciate everyone that's on there uh, supporting and allowing me to do this too. You know, they're really, you know, contributing to this thing and allowing this thing to kind of grow. And that's why I'm putting up more episodes each and every week because of these people and because of the fine folks at Vans who came aboard a while ago and said, we don't want you to do this out of your pocket anymore. We'd help you cover all the bills and all the, you know, keeping the lights on and the, the microphones hot and the like, and you just do what you do. And that's really what Vans has done. And, and I'm also going to be doing some other projects coming up. They've got a bunch of shows coming up. You're going to be hearing some live stuff that I've done with them recently, very soon, very soon. I've been doing some uh, live podcasts at these House of Vans events and having a great time. So once again, thank you, Vans, for your support for this thing, because they really don't ask very much of me. <laughs> they really don't. You know, they're just like, just do it. And I'm like, thanks. That's, I wish all my interactions with people could be this simple. But, um, uh, but yeah, thank you, Vans. Uh, so that is it uh, for that uh, I actually also, you can write and review this thing on your podcast listening to platform of choice. Um, but on to today's show today on the show, my, bu oh, I guess before we get onto that, uh, also the wrestlers, uh, the TV show that I did looking at wrestling as a global art form all around the world. Well, it is finally airing here in Canada on MTV Canada. You can catch it. I think this weekend there's three episodes in a row. They're really <laughs> spacing this thing out. No, they're just putting them out as fast as possible, which is awesome. You can marathon them, and and they are they are all different. I promise you, every single episode is different, and looks at professional wrestling as this global sport come art form that uh, 
is that of the people. You know, it's 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 truly is the the entertainment of the people, and uh, yeah, some unbelievable stories that I was fortunate enough to get to cover with the fine folks at Salazar Films and my buddy Yuji and Colin and Sarah and Grady and the whole team that made that show. So check that show out. All right, enough about that show. On to today's show. Today on the show, my buddy. My my longtime friend, Maddie Matheson, finally makes his return to the show, and you finally get to hear it. Uh, this is someone that I've got a ton of respect for, and I can really speak from watching it firsthand that he is a self-made person. You know, like he obviously had a lot of success with, with Vice, but everything he did was him. You know, like people ask me all the time, what's Maddie like off camera? And I'm like, a lot of what he's like on camera, like he really is that guy he's that awesome and and magnetic and yeah like a, a a cool person to hang out with so i'm i'm glad i could finally got to have him on the show he's one of the first people i wanted to have on this thing way back when and it it took a long time he got he got real busy and he keeps getting busier like this weekend at echo beach in toronto there is going to be maddie fest and maddie fest is a one day festival, um, which is going to have like tons of barbecue foodie type people coming in from all over the place. Uh, it's also going to have friends of the show, the descendants playing. Uh, it's going to have, uh, friends of the show Mets playing. It's got my good buddy, Danny Brown playing. And I haven't seen him in a long time since, uh, I think since he was on the wedge. Uh, no, I, I saw him at a couple festivals after that and stuff like that, but I haven't seen him in a minute. So I'm excited to see him and it's got, Chastity playing, it's got Young Gov playing, which is Ben from Fucked Up's uh, other project that I'm sure, if you haven't checked it out, check that out. It's got it's got tons of stuff. It's going to be an amazing one-day festival. I'm bringing my kids. I got my tickets. I got my tickets right here. I'm wearing my fanny pack right now, so I'm slapping my fanny pack to show you that they're in my fanny pack, because that's where they are. And uh, I'm excited, so I'm not going to blather on anymore. I want you all to sit back, relax, and enjoy my friend, my buddy, Maddie Matheson on Turned Out a Punk. I'm going to ask them to play Maddie first. What happened? Uh, Descendants. Pretty insane lineup. It's weird. It's, it, 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 it's like, it's an amazing thing, kind of like, uh, I, I, it's so weird. Just because it's just like we have bands that played my, my whole my whole thing was just like I wanted bands that I really actually wanted. Yeah. Which is very different. I never realized how unpopular your tastes are. How unpopular my tastes are? <laughs> Definitely how unpopular my tastes are. And 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 how difficult it is to book bands. Yeah. I didn't realize that it's like, you know, they have to want to do it. They have to want the right money and, and, and then finally a schedule. Yeah. So it was just like this crazy, crazy. It took three months. It took three months to land that list. Yeah. Is this the th- third Maddie Fest? Fourth. Like, Cause the there fourth. was a third one. The third one was a kind of a shit show, dark, like ending of my drinking almost. And okay. like, was like kind of like low key. Like we did it like upstairs at parts and labor. I don't even remember that one. Dude, it was gnarly. Wait, did you guys move the tables out? We moved the tables out and we did it upstairs. Like Castle played, Teen Anger played. Um, Who's that band? It was like a punk, like Johnny Cash. Uh, Oh my God. Like like Super Eccentric. Anagram. 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 (laughs) 
But not Johnny Cash, but he had like that one. No, he did have know. that kind of weird delivery, the fall kind of like yeah, yeah, almost yeah. somber yes. guy yeah. delivery. Yeah. They were a great band. Anagram, Matt, yeah. Anagram was sick. Uh, they played, um, yeah. That's so that like, was like the last one. And then like I remember even like I ended up smashing a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Like upstairs at Parts and Labor, even oh. and like I think Kung Fu like pissed in my like he was pissing on me in front of the restaurant and it was still like light out. It was just like oh. it was the end of kind of the. Yeah. Uh, it was the end. I'm glad you took a couple years off with that. He has to bring it back in a bit. Yeah, way. I had to like focus a bit on some other stuff. But no, man, it's crazy. Like it's just like because I like I got turnover. Who are the homies? Like Castle Mets. Yeah, I got fucking bent like Young Gov. And um, that was fucking sick, Romano. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of cool. I was like, I was even talking like when I first talked to Dan about it. I was just like, hey, I was like, can you play from like a horse? Can you like <laughs> literally come out on a real horse and play? He's like, I could. He's like, do you know anyone with a horse? And I was like, I don't know anybody. And then it was just, but I was just like, what can we do that would be funny? But it's just like he, I think Romano's playing with two drummers. Okay. I mean, that's a little bit better than a horse. No one's going to shit on the stage. Yeah. Depending on just, drumming. Just pisses. <laughs> just like, uh, like an eight-minute horse piss. <laughs> well, that's the last Maddie Fest. So this time it's yeah, going to be a horse pee. Exactly. So, Fuck. What was the first Maddie Fest? First Maddie Fest was Lady Hawk. I don't – I just remember like Lady Hawk. I don't know. Cancer Bats, I think, played. No. No? They Black Lungs? I think maybe Black, Black Lungs, Lungs maybe played. Black Lungs. Sex Tears, my band. Yeah. Uh, opened it. Opening. Um, and then – I. I don't even remember anything. I honestly don't even. I I, I find it sad, but I don't. I, I don't really remember. Not even like a joking way. I don't remember Maddie Fest. Well, that's because you know it was a different Maddie. Yeah, I mean, you're the same dude. I mean, but I mean, like you know. Obviously. Yeah, no, I was just like fucked up. That's yeah. all. I was. I was like legitimately. Uh, just I loved. You know, I loved it. You yeah, know, you know that. Yeah. Yeah, I was well, just like a sweaty little Tasmanian devil. But like you were always just like this, uh, you know, and now I think the world knows it, but you always had this. And I mean, completely separate from drugs and alcohol, yeah. this magnetic personality yeah. where people wanted you to be the life of the party because you were the life of the party. But like, I imagine that party just never stops. There's always someone who wants to party. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's the biggest thing. I, I I think that's the story with anyone that's like that has the tendencies that I have and like the lifestyle that I chose and and then eventually like couldn't have could and then lost control. It's just like you like you love at a young age. I loved being the center of attention. I loved everything about it. Mm-hmm. Being the class clown, mm-hmm. you know, all that like every cliche of being like my type is real, you mm-hmm. know. And then and then you know. Uh, and then, and then just drugs and alcohol, just like, it, it's crazy. Cause it's just like, you, you really go through all these kind of waves of, of, of just like partying with these people. And there's always a certain, there's always a different circle of people to party with. You kind of burn some bridges or tire out on some other people. And then you move over here and you're like, and, and I was like the king of that. Cause I was just like, I was friends with punks. I was friends mm-hmm. with folk guys. Cause I like worked in the market. So I was just like working on La Palette. I met like, that's where I met like Castle and Mortimer and like all of these people that were like part of this like indie scene. And I was like, who the fuck are these indie kids? Like, what, what's all this about? Like, what is this? Like, 
I only want to like do coke and listen to Youth of Today. Like I don't, you know, like it's just like yeah. I remember only doing coke off like ten yard fight CDs or like shit like that. Like I love doing like drugs off of like straight edge records, and 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 but then it was just like when I was like twenty four, I started meeting like all these Toronto like indie kids uh-huh. that I never really knew or like even knew like oh there's a scene like there's this entire different scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, who are the fucking Deadly Snakes? You know, like who's con- what's Constantine's, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like I, I, I really got open into all this shit where it was just like I got like like out of high school and then into Toronto. And then that's when I got like real like I was always druggy through even high school. Like even I remember like being on mushrooms at Hellfest, you know, like it was just like in 2000. But it's just like in Toronto, like it was just like, you know, it was so like going to the Elmo. It was a hard partying senior. Yeah, man. And it was just like at that perfect moment yeah. with like, it was like the Jay Retard stuff. Like yeah, everything Toronto, came. everything was, it was heavy scene, mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I was, I always think about like, it's like, you know, 12 years ago, Toronto was a fucking sick fucking scene. Yeah. A music scene that like, I'm like, that doesn't fucking happen right now. Like, it's not that. Like, mm-hmm. you would go see a fucking, you know, go see, like, you guys play Punch in the Face, R&R show. Yeah. And then, like, later that night, you go see, like, Tyvek and, like, Vivian Girls. And, you know, and it's just, like, stuff like that. And it's just, like, that shit was, like, that's when I was just, like, when I think about, like, Toronto, like, that's the shit I think about. I think about that kind of stick. I, or even, like, I remember I was seeing, like, Murphy's Law play fucking The Reverb. And then and then everyone started, everyone was just, like, dude, Left for Dead's playing at fucking Planet Kensington. And you're like, what? Like, Love for Dead's playing at Atlantic Kensington? And then you're just like, ah! And everyone, like, we're like, we gotta wait for Panty Raid to play. As soon as Panty Raid fucking plays, we're going to fucking Planet Kensington, and we're gonna see fucking Love for Dead. It was- and it's just like, there's just like, that's the shit that, like, Toronto, like, these kids, not to sound like an old weirdo, but it's just like, like, these kids won't know what that shit was. And just, like, what the energy was of, like, being on your bike, ripping from vent, like, you know, everyone, like, I think, not dead yet, is, is, is such a good kind of thing where, like, all I, like, I'm so romantic and, like, I reminisce so much about just, like, ripping around on my bike, going from a show, going to Ronnie's, going to a show, going to Ronnie's, going to your drug dealer's house, <laughs> going to an after hours at the W, going to the after hours behind, like, fucking, uh, the TD and Kensington Market, and then you go to, like, another show, or, like, even the fucking, I remember it was so fucked. I was so high on Coke. When the Chromags were playing the reverb. Yeah. And I remember just like Secrets of the Truth came on and I was wearing a trench coat and it was just like, I was just moshing so hard for that. And then they went and played, um, was it the same night? Yeah, they played, they, they Rancho. played Rancho. Yeah, yeah. upstairs. Yeah. And I was like mangled. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like in the bathroom doing like feeding on fucking key bumps and just like, it's just like that kind of shit is just like the best. Well, I think when you moved to Toronto, <laughs> you found also like because you were in the market and you were in so many different scenes, like you found a much harder partying group of people that, that then became part of the hardcore scene. Yeah, it's not like a, like hanging out with Beef and Rick, Rick Smith. It would and not like, be that. <laughs> you know? Like, and then like, shout out to Rick Smith. <laughs> but it's just like, yo, sure. shout out to Hands Down. Yes. Yo, Laxton, where are you at? <laughs> but it's just like, I think... Lauren saw him the other day at a park. Uh, dude, I saw him at the House of Vans last year with like Mac DeMarco. Oh, yeah, yeah. He came with his kid. <laughs> That's awesome. Dude, dude, it was amazing. I hadn't seen him in forever. He had like a goatee. It was like the <laughs> best. <laughs> 
It was like an incredible. I was just like Chris Laxton. <laughs> sure, he's not even going to hear this, but what up, Laxton? I think he listens. There's yeah, Laxton. Yeah, <laughs> comments. Yeah, the comments. Dude, you lit. Oh my god. But that's the thing. Is like you know Toronto being such a big city. There was there's like you know so many different types of people, so many different types of parties. And you mentioned the deadly snakes, dude. They like to party, dude. Snakes love partying. Love partying. And I loved partying with them because I was like I knew the snakes through. Um, like James Sace used to work at like when he was going to school to be a fucking lawyer, he was working at Le Select. Yes. And everyone at Le Select loved the snakes. And they were just like, Hey, do you want to go see this band called the Deadly Snakes? I was like, That sounds like a stupid fucking name. <laughs> and I was just like, Whatever. And I was like, What are they? And they're like, They sound like the Rolling Stones. I was like, Oh, cool. Do not give a fuck about the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and I remember I passed it up the first time that like everyone kind of went because they were just playing, uh, maybe like the 360. Mm hmm. Maybe or the probably the horseshoe actually, but the fucking because Lissa Select used to be right in between right there, the three sixty. Yeah. I remember right. fucking right by the Rivoli, right? Was there, yeah, right the Rivoli. Well, there was the three sixty, the Rivoli, and the fucking first time I ever met you was at the three sixty. Yeah, and fucking uh, and then the horseshoe. There's like three iconic venues. Mm-hmm. Like first time I ever saw like Death from Above, mm-hmm. they were playing a matinee at the Rivoli. And like in front of like six people, and I was like having a smoke outside the select, and there was like a band playing, and I was just like, "Fuck, I should go see what's up." I walk over, and I'm like, I didn't even know who the fuck they were, and I'm watching fucking Death from Above <laughs> play a matinee on some random day at the fucking Rivoli. What a weird time! Like you, you brought up earlier, like you got like the Deadly Snakes, you got Jennifer Castle starting up, you got all these people starting up too, but then you have. You know, like Death from Above going, you have Vice going, Broken Social scene, and then the whole hardcore scene that's going at the same time. Then Alexa yeah. on Fire kind of coming Dude, in. Dude, I saw Alexis on Fire's first show at the Q Bar. Really? You didn't see him in Niagara first? No. I never, I never saw them play because I went to, I'm like the same age as Dal. So yeah. I'm like older, a little bit older than most of them. So, so then already. I never, the first time I saw, I think the first time, I saw them was at the Q bar because they're like, yo, we got this new band. We're going to play. We're, we're going to, there's this like label distort that wants to like put us on, you know, like, and, and, and I, that was the first time I met like Greg and fucking, um, and I was still living in, uh, up in like Islington and Dixon and up in Rexdale and fucking, they're like, yo, Alexis, like whatever. They're new, like everyone was like George or somebody hit me up. And they're like, "Hey, our new band's like playing like the Q bar." Yeah, and I was like, "Sick! I'll fucking come down." And went and saw. And I remember Greg. He's a fucking giant. Was standing in the middle of the fucking thing with a fucking video camera, <laughs> videoing like my buddy's like new band at the Q bar. Yeah, and um, the Q bar. God bless the Q bar. That remember? got destroyed, dude. dude. Haymaker. 80, Haymaker, 86 Mentality. 86 Mentality. The Rights. So many bands. That place was such a cool... Dude. It's a, it's weird to think, and I guess, like, you know, you kind of did the last of these with Parts and Labor, but, like, to think that there was a point... In Parts and Labor, you didn't have to do the shows. I think yeah. it was because you wanted to. Yeah. But, like, there was a point in Toronto where if you had a restaurant, you're like, fuck, what are we going to do to keep people... <laughs> keep the doors on, the lights going? Yeah. Let's get... Let's get a... Hot let's get, chip to play. Yeah, let's get a hot chip to play. Let's get... Let's get, let's get the rights in and fill this place up on yeah. a Friday night. Oh my god, the rights. <laughs> um, we have broken format, and I gotta go back. <laughs> <laughs> We're just talking about Toronto. I know, but this, we'll get here. We'll get here in in a yeah. minute. But like, I want to 
I want to say thank you for agreeing to come back and do a second attempt. Yeah. We've got two recording we tr- devices. We, we tried to do this before and then you fucked it up. It's I, fine. I've only lost three episodes, but I consider them three of the greatest episodes ever. And it was uh, Steve McDonald. Yeah. And I re-recorded it with him. There you go. And then MVP and Zach Blair, where I reconnected them after being separated for 20 years on the air and then erased it. <laughs> but we re-recorded it. Yeah. And then I lost my Maddie Matheson. But it's good because it's been so much time, like so a year, yeah. that I don't even really remember what it was. Nope. So it won't be like me just reconjuring stupid things. No, so and also... This will be like a full new thing. And also, it worked out perfect because now you're launching uh, the biggest festival ever in Toronto. The biggest, yeah. The biggest festival in the world. In the world. <laughs> the world. They, they call it Glastonbury. Yeah, you know... Uh, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> but let's start <laughs> before all of this, before even the first Maddie Fest... Maddie, Maddie, how did you get into punk? How did I get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Oh my god. I think the very first time I ever saw something that was punk was I think my sister had a boyfriend. She's 10 years older than me. And I was living in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. And she went to high school with the guys in Sloan. Oh, wow. And I remember they came over and like used to like smoke weed, I think, in my tree fort. <laughs> The Sloan guys? Yeah. <laughs> not Chris, obviously. but like, No, not Chris. But I think like there was like some guy, like she used to date this dude in high school and, and he was buddies with the Sloan dudes. And I remember one time like my sister was like, oh my God, like this guys in this band are going to come over and we're going to go because we had this like sick tree fort. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I may be remembering it wrong. But anyway, the first time I think I ever saw something um, was my sister had a Danzig tape. Oh, very cool. So she had this tape and it was just like the Geiger cover. Yeah. And um, I just was just like, what is this? And then I listened to it. I didn't really like it at the time. I didn't really know what it was. I'm in grade three mm-hmm. at that point. So great. Young. Yeah. Like I was just like, I don't know about this. I don't know if I need the prom goth fucking king screaming at me. <laughs> but then... I think in grade five, that was like the first time I ever saw something that I was just like, what is this? This isn't like an Eric Clapton tape or this isn't like my dad's like ZZ Top Records mm-hmm. or this isn't ACDC. Because I was always into music. Like we, my dad used to wake us up to like TNT every morning. Like me and my two brothers would be woken up to go to school every single morning. My dad would put on TNT <laughs> rattling the whole house. And that's like how we would like march to get ready for school. Yeah. And so then – uh, years later, we're living like in Dar. We're living in Dartmouth. We're still living in Dartmouth, and then I moved to um, Ontario. My dad gets a new job. We move provinces, and somebody, my older brother's a skater. I was never a skater. I was always like a fat kid that used to like take my skateboard and like just grind it. right here, but yeah, just grind it. it. <laughs> Grind it like on the sidewalk or something, <laughs> or sit on it slalom style and go down a hill. Yeah, like just like not. My brother was like a ripper. You yeah, know, he had like his head shaved on half his side and like Powell Peralta hoodies and stuff. And um, he had a tape that had like Pantera, Deicide, um, probably Obituary, just like this metal tape. Yeah, and I put that on and I just was just like, this is something. And I just, I remember feeling a type of way. And I just like, I remember I stole the tape 
and I just had it and I was just like this was my tape and I didn't even know what the band like it just had the band names on it it didn't have songs it just had like Pantera Deicide Obituary maybe some of the other stuff you know but it was it was just like this little tape and I was probably in like 6th or 7th grade because by 8th grade I was just listening excuse me I got into punk through metal Mm -hmm. is what I'm kind of saying I Mm -hmm. guess a lot of people I know from that, you know. Well, I'm like a small town. Yeah. So it's just like I live in a small town, 16,000 people. Yeah. There isn't like a hardcore – there certainly isn't a hardcore scene. There certainly is um, – but we're right next to Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in Fort Erie. I moved to Fort Erie, Ontario. And then the thing about it, I think in 95, 96, I forget what Warp Tour, we all went – me and my buddies and we're like really young. I got like our friend's parents, like Chris Doobie's parents drive us over. And I think it's like, you know, iced tea and fucking Limp Biscuit and like. Oh, 99? Was maybe it? Maybe 99? Was it uh, Black Eyed Peas maybe? Black Eyed Peas is the or was they're going to say? Or oh did Snapcase God. play? Well, Black Eyed Peas played. Snapcase probably played. I, the first Snapcase show I ever saw, we went because my, my best friend Nate's cousin dated um one of the guitar players yeah <laughs> and he's like hey my cousin's band is sick check this out and then that's when i got the california takeover tape so that was my first hardcore so my very first so like whatever i listened i did like the whole grade eight like corn limp biscuit uh deftones mm-hmm. and i only wanted to i only want i was like i was searching for like breakdowns yeah. I just wanted the heavy chuggy shit. And so like, I was just like, I was listening. I went from like, it's so weird. I went from like, ex- like deicide and Pantera and like obituary to like corn and like, <laughs> like kind of weak ass shit. Yeah. And then, and we were then, a kid, right? Yeah. Like, like, no, totally. You're searching for your thing. Yeah. I got Jenko jeans on. I got like my ear pierced. I got my eyebrow pierced. <laughs> I'm like killing it, you know? Got nail polish on and, and fucking. And then my buddy Nate, he's got this fucking tape and he's just like, yo, check this out. There's this, I got this compilation from my cousin's boyfriend who plays in this band, Snapcase. And I was just like, whoa, crazy. And we put it on and then that was, that was a wrap. It's a I pretty did, good record, t- California Takeover Live. Dude, it's fucking unreal. Like that Tony Victory essence, it's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> it's like, that's when I close my eyes, that's my hardcore. It's yeah, not, yeah. it isn't New York, as much as everyone is like Promegs. In like New York hardcore, for me it is it's Victory Records bands. Mm-hmm. It's like Victory Styles. You know, when I got Victory Styles two was I think one of my first CDs I ever had because my first CD I ever bought was Dookie. Okay, that was my yeah. first one, and then definitely maybe yeah, Oasis was my second CD, and then I got California Takeover was ta- on tape, and, and then Victory Styles two. Was Victory Styles 2 the one with the drawing that's like the hard – I think it's like the uh, hardware fanzine cover. It's like all the skinheads moshing. Yeah, maybe. And then it, I just – it got like electric Frankenstein on it and like fucking <laughs> uh, – who was that? Where's that like sick like Swedish girl band? Donuts. Donuts, yeah. Donuts, yeah. Donuts yeah. rip. Scope. Yeah. Fucking Scott Middleton loved donuts. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Big donuts. Yeah. <laughs> Big donuts fan. Um, Big donuts fan. But it, it's just like I think – an amazing – I'll let this part out, but someone once prank called Chris Ritchie pretending to be booking a donuts tour. Oh, my God. And got him to – Don't – why would you edit this out? That doesn't – it's like somebody prank called fucking quality. Yeah, yeah, actually true. That's like playing it forward. You know? Yeah. Like, hey, quality. That's fucking sick. Yeah, it was – You got pranked by a 
donuts fake promoter? <laughs> By a fake donuts promoter. Because <laughs> Catherine Haynes called him pretending to be booking a donuts tour. Insane. <laughs> that, that, that's the prank. She did a fake Swedish accent too when she called him, which made it even more classic. <laughs> They're like, is who's Emma available? <laughs> yeah. Can we get right brigade? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like I think it was just like that was that was it, and then and then um, and then we went to Snapcase. We went to a Snapcase show. Who played with Snapcase at that show? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember that because that was the first show, and then but the second show, my very my my second show ever, like hardcore show, was at Showplace Theater, mm-hmm. and it was Buried Alive, Elliot, and it was Every Time I Die's very first time. Playing because Elliot, I think Elliot played because in in the because uh, well they they it, were on initial records with Despair right like they had been, yeah like, they had yeah well and it, yeah and yeah. Vogel's like Loki and emo guy like he he'll he'll, he'll admit it but like yeah. you know like he loves I'm, I love Elliot still to I listen that that's one of my airplane albums like False okay. Cathedrals is still like one of my airplane like takeoff albums that like I just like lullaby and fall asleep every time. And that's always the hardest thing when you're trying to sneak the earbuds back in after they tell you you can't listen to them before takeoff. Yeah, you know, as like, soon as they leave, I'm just like, get out of here. I gotta listen to the music. Well, I'm like, hey, taking the earbuds, I'm like, if, we're, if the plane is crashing, I don't, the earbuds are fine. The earbuds are totally fine. The earbuds fine. are gonna be fine. If the plane is crashing, the, the, the earbuds are fine. And you're not gonna miss any announcement with an earbud in. Like, if the plane starts, if it, if it moves, if it, if it starts dive bombing. Like, what the fuck? You take them out. I'm gonna have the, the earbuds are staying in, and, and, and I'm gonna, you know, the earbuds are staying in. Okay, fight me. <laughs> and then you're putting on uh, the obituary record. Yeah, and then we'll just slowly rot. Together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cut in half. <laughs> so where did uh? So what was that show like? Well, I mean, the first snapcase. Well, the, the first snapcase show, I was like, "What is?" This? Yeah. I was just like, kind of dumbfounded almost. Yeah, I was like, "What is this energy? Like, what is this show?" It would have been hard moshing, I imagine, at that point too. Yeah, dude. Very hard moshing. And then when I saw Buried Alive was the first time I ever felt like scared. <laughs> and I was, I, I was scared. Mm-hmm. I was like gut wrenching, like young and just the style. And I, I'm pretty sure like, like Andy Williams and like watching, like I still remember, like I still remember because I saw like, him play I saw him play in, in, in Every Time I Die they opened mm-hmm. all wearing like denim trucker hats like total vibe and I still remember it's so funny I'm such a like geek yeah with with some things with like Buffalo but it's just like I remember we were waiting in line I remember Keith was drinking a drink and I remember like Andy someone came up to him and was like are you drinking before we fucking play or like he was just having some it was just like a thing and I remember oh my god that's like the singer of like this band you know like yeah. outside in the line hanging out talking to people you know because it was just like I was still like young enough to like be mesmerized by like seeing something like that well these people are so much larger than life when you're a kid right like yeah I didn't even know what every time I died was and I like I never saw them before mm-hmm. I never heard of them I never knew anything and then and then I saw every time I die play and it like blew my mind like the way that they played blew my mind up on stage like that. And then Elliot was just like a crazy thing that I was just like, this is a crazy emo. I don't even know what this is. I was just like, ah, this is wild. And then we buried alive play because, 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 because Caven was supposed to play and they didn't. Okay. And, and Nate was a huge Caven fan. It was right around, like right after like 
beyond hypothermia came out. Mm-hmm. And and but when Buried Alive played, <laughs> I know that it's just like it's just like you know it, hardcore's a, a very common thing now. But being like a, a young teenager watching Buried Alive go off at the like I don't even think uh, Perfect World was out, and so. It was just like it was a crazy. It was just a crazy kind of thing oh, yeah. to see, like see the the the, the power and the the crazy like the the power like seeing people. It was the first time I was seeing people like fucking like crowd punch or like fucking very maliciously <laughs> beat the fuck out of each other kind of thing. And it was like a very aggressive pit. And if you've ever been to show place, there's like there was like a few rows of chairs. And I remember I was just like in the back standing on a chair watching all of this shit go off and just like watching everyone it was the first time like watching people like head walk and like watching people just like dance mm-hmm. you know and it was just like the first time that I, I was just like what is all of this what's what's straight edge i was seeing like all these like buffalo what i need to start stretching my ears instantly like <laughs> like instantly i was like i'm stretching my ears I'm stretching my ears. I need to get a pair of like fucking Jenko so, jeans. Jenko jeans. What are these shoes? Sacconis. I need a pair of Sacconis. What are what are? And you, you couldn't find it. You couldn't Google anything. This no. was before the internet. Like literally, like you couldn't have like like e bombs. World was didn't even exist. You know, like it's just like I was just like okay. I need to start like. Okay, where okay, where's this place? And then I was just like, okay, where can I get like record? And so Buffalo was this huge hub because like Home oh, of the Hits, hub, yeah. dude. And it was crazy. Like the first time I went into Home of the Hits, like Daryl from Snapcase was working there. I'm like, <laughs> this is incredible. And I just like walk over and just like slide over. Like I don't even know. Like I remember maybe like a Dead to the World Day of Morning or Dead, uh, Dead to the World Morning Again. I think had a split. Or like whatever. Yeah. It was just like a fucking – it was just like mental. Like it was just like – and my friend Robin, she she was like my f- best friend that I became friends with at Home of the Hits. And it, it was so amazing because I lived probably like a 20-minute drive from there. And, and it got to the point where I would just like show up and like Robin would just have a stack of like CDs or records or 7 Inches or demos or whatever. I remember what – I still remember when – I walked in there and it was like the funniest fucking thing now that I, I remember. And she's like, check this out from autumn to ashes. You're like, she's like, you love prayer for a cleansing. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> of course I love prayer for a cleansing. She's like, check this shit out. You know, and you're like, pumps me this fucking from autumn to ashes, like demo. And I'm just like, ah! like, cause I was just like metalcore. Like yeah, I was just yeah. like before metalcore was metalcore. It was just hard. Like that was hardcore, was hardcore. Yeah. at that time. Yep. And I was just like, and that's what I love because I was a metalhead. So I was just like, I love metal. I love prayer for cleansing, which was like, you know, I even love like Archangel and like all that kind of stuff. Cause it was like, it's a funny thing. Like, cause I found like New York hardcore kind of, it was like victory records and then like metal shit. And then like, and then I kind of found like New York hardcore. And mm-hmm. then I was just like, what the fuck is this? And it's like, it's so weird because like I got into New York hardcore from buying like the release VHS. You know? Yeah. And yeah. so like I bought the release VHS and then I was just like, okay, sick. This is incredible. And then that just opened up another door. And and then it's like because I got into New York hardcore probably I don't know, by like grade ten, you know? So then I was just like, okay, this is like this is a whole new world. And what kind of like this isn't like metal. Mm-hmm. This is like just like fucking hardcore. Okay, so this is hardcore. 
And then I kind of like got sucked into that. And then I was just like, what is like agnostic front? Whoa. What is, what is like bad brains? Cause I got into all that stuff like later. It was hard to get that stuff at that point, right? Like a lot of that stuff was out of print in the late nineties. Yeah. You know, like there was, uh, you know, like, like, well, the Chromex record you couldn't get. Age of Coral was out of print. There were those you CDs that had them, but you couldn't find those. You couldn't, I never owned a Chromex CD. There was that, that CD that had like Beth's wishes and Age of Coral on it. And it was like a weird, I think it's called like another planet. They did a okay. Warzone one, but they were like, I think I got one of them at H and B, but you couldn't find them. They were out of print, so it was like, yeah, like you were. It was very tough to find tough to that find kind that of stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it was like Madball. You could get Madball all day. So it was just like I think my first. Um, what was it? Come my way. What's the fucking? Uh, look my way. Look my way. See, I'm so brain dead. No, do not. But the fucking <laughs> like, look my way was the first Madball album I ever got. Yeah, and then I wasn't like super stoked on it. And then, and then I found like set it off. And then when I found set it off, I was like, Oh, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. And I think just like that was like the fucking a really big kind of turning point, um, for finding that kind of shit. And then it was like a crazy thing. Like, cause then there was all that stuff. And then I forget what comp it was. It had like bad luck 13 on it and like stigmata and oh, what comp was like East. East Coast Takeover or something or like no I don't think it was that it was like oh it was crazy because it was the when I heard when I heard Stigmata I was like okay this is perfect music (laughs) you know Burning Human like that fucking let us pray and then like it was just like Hundred Demons and like Stigmata and then like Cold as Life yeah and like all that kind of shit was just like here we go. Yeah, You know, and it just like that was – and then it was just kind of like I think the first time I, I think that – it was so funny because like back then like I was – I had no like um I'm only hard – I'm only like New York hardcore mm-hmm. or I'm youth crew or I'm like this metalcore kid or I'm like this. I'm like I listened to everything and it was like even crazy like Farside had, had this fucking radio station on the fucking Buffalo College fucking hardcore thing called the Wednesday Night Riots. Mm-hmm. And so Wednesday Night Riot would play and me and all my friends would listen on my radio in my basement fucking bedroom. And that was covered in just like flyers from like Syracuse and Albany and fucking, you know, all that, like all that kind of stuff. And, and we would listen. And I remember when my fucking, it was like my brain broke the first time I heard Stigmata. And then my bl- my brain blew up the first time I heard Poison the Well. I remember hearing Poison the Well and me and my friends like punching holes in my – like full moshing, punching holes in my drywall. Yeah. Ruining my room. And we were just like, what the fuck is this band? And this is like – I don't know, like 99? Yeah. Like when they had two singers – because they were still playing. It was before like Opposite of December came out. And it was just so funny. Like it, it was just like – it was such a perfect time. Like Hellfest and then like Hellfest was announced and that was like the greatest. If, it also felt like the, the like epicenter of hardcore at that time was like upstate New York. Yeah. Like Syracuse and Buffalo. And Man, it was in Boston. Like it was just, yeah. like Boston had just like such a crazy scene. Yeah. And it was so scary. It was like Boston beatdown was like yeah. full effect. Yeah. And like that shit was like wild. 
And it just like, it was such an amazing, it was, I'm like, I think it was like a, it was, it was a moment. Mm -hmm. Like early 2000s was definitely a full moment in hardcore. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of like the same way that right now is definitely like hardcore is like one, again, like one of those things where it's like, it's better than ever. Mm -hmm. And there's like this whole new wave of bands that sound exactly like all the victory, like victory records is like, man, <laughs> like, like there's like, what's that being like eco strike. Yeah. Eco strike just sounds exactly like strife. And then like, there's like magnitude and like every band on like triple B is like killing it. And it is like, they're playing like perfect hardcore. Like I'm so like, there's bands that are coming out there sounding like vision of disorder. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> what? You're coming to, like, there's been, it's, it's just like kind of crazy to, to see this full second wave 20 years later. Yeah. Even, even like 25 years later of some of the victory stuff. Cause it's just like, there's like early victory, then like late victory, but it's just like, it, it's such a funny thing. Cause hardcore right now is just like, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing thing. And then there's like the funky monkey dudes. Like, you know, you got like bands that like turnstile that are bringing like this whole funk wave. And then now there's like bands, like it's so funny. Like every band's trying to be like almost like Rollins band right now too, which is like <laughs> kind of like a sick vibe. And well, like everything's really, everyone's into slow plotting again. Yeah. Like everyone wants kind of the groove. Yeah. And it's, it's a mid tempo, just yeah. like chuggy yeah. fucking like spoken word, fucking <laughs> yeah. still punching in the face type shit. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Grow your hair out. Yeah. Everyone's going through, <laughs> Uh yeah, slip it in. Yeah, everyone's got their their bum out hair going on now, and like yeah, it's, it's like, like slacker yeah, hardcore. Totally slacker hardcore is back, and it's like yeah, ripped jeans, wearing <laughs> dead shirts. Everyone wants to be Greg Jen. Yeah, well, I think that's the difference now because like it, it it's now like um a lot more relaxed than it was back then. Like the back then, those Buffalo shows were kind of scary, you know, like. Dude, I remember going to see even like shows in Syracuse. I remember going yeah. to uh, Penny Arcade in Rochester. And I think it was like, it was like mental. It was right. Like it was like mental, blacklisted, murder weapon, mm -hmm. frostbite, which was like, there's like no warning. Like that Alex's band. Yeah. I don't know. Pretty cold world. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Frostbite was like the ultimate, like no warning rip. <laughs> and just like, there's like all these. Yeah, like Desperate Measures played. Oh, Lights Out played. Probably. I think. Because um, it was like, was it the Desperate Measures Lights Out mental tour? Probably, but it was like a fest. It was okay. like, oh, it, it, was a fest. it was like a full day. Like it was like 12 okay. bands. It was like heavy. And that was like another time where it was just, it was just fucking like those shows were the best, man. Because mm -hmm. it was just like, it was a great, it was such a funny thing. Because like at the exact same time, like mental and that whole, like rising of like youth crew and that kind of shit's happening and then you have bands like Poison the Well happening at the exact same fucking time mm -hmm. and it was just like but they all kind of were it was the same kind of thing where like you would see bands like Elliot and fucking Buried Alive play mm -hmm. or you would see like that emo shit where like you could see Dashboard Confessional and like One Line Drawing playing with fucking Kid Gorgeous yeah. or like it was just like it was fucking it was wild like it was like it was an amazing it was like real kind of hardcore unity where it's like it wasn't about like the type of music it was more about like the ethos mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. where like the bands like if you look at like some of those like like Hellfest the first Hellfest the second Hellfest and then the third Hellfest like those that those lineups are very like kind of eclectic and like you know I don't know it was kind of just it was so much smaller right yeah. like you think about. Dude, how many people went to uh, the second Hellfest? Was it a thousand people? Yeah, maybe? ten thousand people went and saw Have Heart play the reunion yeah. in Boston. 
And it's like, that's one band doing like, you know, there are a lot of bands. That's a crazy doing. thing. Is that that's a, crazy. not a crazy thing? That's crazy. It's, it's insane to think. I like Half Heart a lot, but I like that. That is a crazy 10, poll. Thousand people. Like, as like, yeah, and it's not a fest. Like, to get a thousand people back then, you had to do like the most banging festival with like every DIY yeah. band with everyone traveling in from all over the place. But now it's like, it, it, and it would be every style of band. Like you'd have Converge on a bill. You'd have like, you'd have Two Line Filler on a bill. You'd have Chokehold <laughs> on a bill. You'd be just trying everything to attract people to that show. Yeah, you need every kid coming out. Yeah, and now it's like there's just like enough kids in each scene. It feels like to kind of be like, no, we're we're good. We can kind of support this. People pick and choose. Yeah, and people have it, like it, it, it's a funny thing. Like we're. And I think that's just like the younger generation, or like when you when you're younger. I went. I just went to shows. Like every weekend, we would take my Sunday, my parents like Sundance, and we would drive. <laughs> yeah. Like every weekend, we would go to Rochester, Albany, Syracuse. We would go to Boston sometimes because it was so far. Even like New York, but it was just like every weekend we would go, and it was amazing because like we would steal gas. And we never paid for gas because it was just like there was like no cameras back then yeah, too. Yeah. So like we would always go to those high highway like gas stations. I would just like go fill up and drive off back onto the highway. And I sold gas for like every single weekend all through high school, yeah. just going to shows in upstate New York. <laughs> it was like the best. It's the best. And we yeah, and it's changed like once again like in a it was like a lot more outlaw. Back then, like going even going to hardcore shows, like you, you could just like you know, or you're a band just sneaking across the border. You're like lying to border guards in a way that I'm sure bands try it now, but I'm sure it's a lot harder. Yeah, people know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, there's they got the chip in your eye. Yeah, they look <laughs> the at your recognition. Media, they know. Yeah, <laughs> they Google you. Yeah, they're like, oh, you have 25 shows in Canada. No, you're not coming in. Yeah, fuck you. That's how we got stopped was yeah. they Googled our names. And that was the first time we got stopped crossing to the U.S. But it, yeah. it definitely, you know, pre-2000, it wasn't like that. No, you'd just be like, I'm going to my friend's house for a sleepover. What's with the guitar caps? Oh, <laughs> we're practicing. Have practice. we have our singer yeah. <laughs> lives in Hamilton. Where are you coming from? Boston? Yeah, our singer lives in Hamilton. We're writing a record. You what? could hope. You could hope. Yeah. What was the scene like uh, in in Niagara or Erie at this time? There was no scene. There was like literally there was me, Steve Simon, Nate Hindle, Chris Doobie, Nick Morgani used to go to shows. Um, like there was five kids. Yeah. Literally in my town that were that was into hardcore. Yeah. You know, and then. Like even Joel Van Kuna used to come. And, and yeah, five, six kids. So where would you go to shows if you weren't crossing the border? Would you go to any Southern Ontario shows or? We would go, we would, eh, not even because Buffalo is so close. Okay, like yeah. if I was to go to Oak, like I don't even know. Maybe I've been in the Pine Room like once or twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, been to like, I used to go to shows all the time at like Sonic Onion in the basement. Uh, but like, I never went to a show in Toronto ever in my life until I lived there. Yeah. So I never went to a show in Toronto until like 2000 because I moved to Toronto in 2000. And so yeah, – Because if anyone's coming up here, they're going to be stopping at that time. Yeah, they're going to go to Buffalo, Buffalo. and Buffalo's 20 yeah. minutes like, – like I live 10 minutes from the border and 20 minutes to show place. Do you like Mighty Taco? Yeah, Mighty Taco is the – dude, I own 
a lot of Mighty Taco merch. I tried to take Lauren to a Mighty Taco. And Dude, she, everyone, it's disgusting. It's dog food. It's but why is it so good? If you it's fucked. Had as a kid, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like. I think about it because I'm I'm so genuinely excited about it. Same and then I, every time I bring somebody, they're like, "What the fuck is yeah, this? this sucks. They're like, "You're fucked." And they're like bummed. Yeah. And it's not like it's like it, they're like yeah. cool about it. They're like, "Don't ever bring me here. Don't ever talk about it." Don't ever like I brought my buddy from California. I was like, dude, you gotta try this. Oh. And it's just like even like Del Taco talking tacos. Like I remember 18 Visions yeah. thanked Del Taco and until the ink runs out. People love Del Taco in California. And I was just like forever, my entire life, I was just like, whenever I go to California, man, I'm going to Del Taco. Yeah. And I remember the first time I was in like Orange County, and I'm like, go to Del I we I need to go to Del Taco. And the people I was with were like, What the fuck are you even talking about? <laughs> like, you wanna go to Del Taco? I was like, yeah, like isn't that that's like the taco place? And they're like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "I'm not gonna be like in this record, uh, <laughs> fucking th- thank uh, Del Taco." But still, like you go down there and you like hang out with hardcore kids. They're like, "Del Taco is like the best chain." And then you you're like, "What do you order here? Like, what am I missing?" I've been there like I went there maybe twice. I went there the first time and then the second time. But the like I just like quickly realized I could just eat Mexican food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like Mighty Taco is so different from Yeah, Mexican Mighty Taco food. is just like it, it literally is it, it it's like when people and I know that you love McDonald's, mm-hmm. but it's like it's it's like I don't care. I'm not eating McDonald's because it's beef. Yes. I don't even care. Yeah. It's not first of all, it's not beef. It's just McDonald's. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the flavor profile of yeah. the thing that's in the thing. It's the bun and the whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. That's what I want to eat. Yeah. It's the taste. Yeah. Like McDonald's is a flavor. Mm-hmm. That's it. And Mighty Taco, I think, is the same kind of thing where it's this like like after show place, you I would go to the uh, the Mighty Taco around the corner. And that was just like my thing. Yep. And, and I would, I loved, and my order is so funny. I would get, I would get like two super mighty tacos, extra, extra sour cream, extra cheese, extra tomatoes, hot. And then I would get a uh, veggie super mighty yeah. with extra cheese, extra tomatoes. And I would take a bite of one of my super mighties and then a bite of like the pure like lettuce tomato. Cause they're, they're veggie tacos, just lettuce, tomatoes and cheese. And it's, but what is it like? And, and it's sa- just, no, it's a taste. It's, it's a, a taste it's, with that. It's, it's iceberg a, lettuce. It's not even impressive lettuce. It's no iceberg. Is like, but it's like not impressive, but it is the truly the best lettuce. lettuce yeah. But it, 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 it's weird. It's a flavor profile that you can't make anybody else like. And it's just like, I crave it because now I fly out of Buffalo cause I moved back to Fort Erie. And now I love it because like whenever I fly in, it's like I get home because I just drive because the parking lot's really cheap in Buffalo. Yeah. So I just – I park my car. I'll go fly to whatever, New York or go somewhere for a few days, come home. And whenever I land, I go straight <clears throat> off Walden Galleria, drive. I go and I get Mighty Taco, sit and I like park my car and sit there and like I don't eat inside. And I just like eat in my truck and like, you know. Decompress. Yeah, just put on like steps. Just put on. <laughs> but it's just like, I think it's just like a funny, it's just a flavor profile that you like love. Yeah. And it's just like a thing that like, I just love, I would go there and all the hardcore kids would be there after and you're staring at like, you know, oh my God, that guy's got a neck tattoo. He looks like he's 16. How does he have a neck tattoo and he's 16? His ears are, so- oh my God, his ears are, so- that. those are one inch spacers. I need one inch spacers. And it's amazing. Like we used to go getting back to like, sp- because I had my ears stretched probably to like an inch. Yeah. And there was a play. It was amazing. 
There's a only like a piercing parlor called Cowpoke in in <laughs> Buffalo. That was like I remember like me and my friends went to go get like Prince Alberts even because like what, you got a Prince Albert. No, I chickened out. I chickened out. <laughs> I check it down. Actually, like legitimately. I don't and, blame you on that one. Because like Steve got one and then me and my buddy Steve were like, let's go. Because for some reason at that time too, like BOD mods was like such a big, big thing. thing. Yeah. Like it was just like a huge thing in hardcore. Like yeah. everyone's into like, you know, metal or big wooden spacers and fucking piercings and like all this shit was like it was a weird kind of subculture thing that mm-hmm. attached itself to to hardcore at that time. Or I think it's always been a part of it. Well, the tattoos too, like tattoo culture really blew up in hardcore. Like, oh my god! Well, that's the reason I got so heavily. I, I just like <laughs> blindly covered myself in tattoos in like from ninety nine to two thousand one, and then I'm just like, ugh. Now I like. <laughs> Like, look at this tattoo. This tattoo is like a razor blade with a rose with an eye coming out of it. There's blood coming off the razor blade. And you're like, even like, even I can say that, like, the first time I went to, and I love, I think I talked about this last time, but like, when I went to Hellfest, I spent all of my money the first day on merch. And I was supposed to go to Halo Tattoo in Syracuse and get tattooed by Grez DNA. And like, get a tattoo by Grez DNA and I was going to get a fucking heart or a fucking thing with a fucking, you know, I was going to get this big sacred heart thing. Yeah. Oh my God. And, and I spent all my money and I had to cancel the tattoo. <laughs> and it was just like, and I canceled the tattoo by like seeing him at Hellfest. I went up and I was like, Hey, I have like an appointment tomorrow and I can't do it. I spent all my money on like to die for merch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I just like, what is life? Was like, and then I had no money for food. I had no money for anything because it was. What like, did you buy? Like ten shirts or something? Yeah, like I, I literally <laughs> bought like every single. Like I bought. It was the first time. Like it was the first time that you saw like a ton of different dis- distros. Yeah, yeah. I probably bought like I don't know twenty CDs, and I think I had like two hundred bucks. <laughs> I don't know. I remember it was so amazing. I bought a fucking. Oh, it was so good. I bought uh, – it was like a spark lights, the friction split with – oh my god. I want to say like this day forward or something. It was fucked. It was like some split and I tried to return it. <laughs> to get food money. <laughs> and I just tried to remove, return it and I was like, oh, I thought this was like a thing and I didn't know. And he's just like – and I, it was from a distro. Yeah. And the guy's like, I'm not returning that. That's my band. <laughs> And he like wouldn't return it. And I was like, fuck. And I was just like fucking spark like the friction split thing. Fucking it was so funny. It was just like it was the best. I think Josh went to one with the the, the Terror Twins and oh. they spent all their money on merch in the parking lot and they had to turn around and just drive home. Just go home. They couldn't even get in. They couldn't get a ticket. They're like, wow. We got this Santa Sangre fucking t-shirt. Let's let's hit the road. Let's go. I got what I came for. Let's eight hours back to Toronto. Oh my god. Yeah, I guess it's far yeah, because I was still living in Fort Erie. So it was only like two and a half hours to Syracuse. Yeah, I guess it's, I guess it's like five and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. Eight hours, but still, it's so long. Who knows? Still a trek. Still, a trek. still a trek to go see the old show and then just buy some shirts and leave. Was that the bad luck year that bad luck played and, and started the riot by throwing the pig's head? No, that I think that was the third year. Okay, that was the third year. I remember I got the bad luck VHS tape. It's so funny because I have no zero. Um, 
Like I'm completely indifferent about wrestling. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm completely indifferent about sports and like wrestling. And I remember seeing I got all this, sports across the board. Pretty, I, I have no like. Um, yeah, nothing gives yeah. nothing makes me feel anything like like um, like the only Raptors game I've ever been to ever was I went I got free tickets to go to the Drake, the very first Drake night. OK. And I went the, to that for the Raptors game. The only baseball game I've ever been to Blue Jays game ever was when I threw the first pitch. That's the only time you went. Okay, only, you were, you were only time I was like, you grew up, right? Yeah. Well, it's just like I just I'm not like I just I I I was like a fat punk hardcore yeah. kid that grew up in a small town. I hated sports. Yeah, I, I feel the same way except for wrestling. Yeah, like I just like I just feel complete. Like I've never ever I hate hockey with a passion. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even like I kind of hate hockey for some mm-hmm. reason. Because mm-hmm. because the hockey kids that you had to grow up. Yeah, around. I just like I I, I and, and my sister had like an ex husband kind of guy that was like a hockey player that I hate kind of and it's just like I don't know it's just like. It never yeah. I just never fucked with hockey and I'm like I'm probably the only kid that's like I legitimately have only had ice skates on my feet once in my life in grade four <laughs> and I went and skated like some pond and I got left behind at the pond in grade four oh my and I couldn't get my skates off because my my laces got frozen and my parents came and found me and it was like one of those things where I like kind of went with some friends and something and somehow I got like left behind and I like was in like a snowbank just crying. The trauma of that. Yeah. And so I kind of hate ice skating and like all that. And I couldn't get my laces off. Yeah. So I couldn't like walk or, and, and I didn't know how to skate because it was the first so time. so fucking scary. So I think that's part of why I hate hockey too. There's a few reasons. But, um, but the bad luck tape. Was but your- the bad luck tape. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but the bad luck tape I got for Christmas. I remember. And I was still. I, yeah. I was probably, Who'd you ask for it for Christmas? I think it was just like. Yeah. My parents. Like I remember, I got they that. Order from a I got, berry distribution catalog or something. Yeah, like I think it, you know because I was just like I got. I remember I got that, and I remember I got. It was right when like Death Wish was like fully pumping. Yeah, and I remember I got like a, the the Promise seven inch. Um, and remember when they were putting out those like seven inches with splits, the die cut thing, the die cut yeah. with like the spade yeah. and the heart. There's like, like a ringworm one, ringworm, life, maybe Hokon. Um, a bunch of other things. So I got like a, a bunch of – like I got like just raided like the Death Wish fucking distro and I got – I don't know. Maybe like the bad luck thing was just through that. But I once again, it was like – I still for, I forget I – this is the worst kind of music podcast. I forget half the shit. Dude, this but, is the best. This is all the podcast. I'm just <laughs> forgetting things. <laughs> but it was just like I remember like it was that Stigmata. Like the two bands I remember on that comp was like Stigmata and Bad Luck. And, and Bad Luck, when I got that VHS tape, I was like – I just and, – and that was the part of me – I didn't give a fuck about the wrestling. I give a fuck about like smashing shit and getting fucked up. Yeah. Like that's what I was really attracted to. And I always was. Like I was always like – I was always like a drunk mosher. I always loved like getting fucking blackout wasted and like moshing. And, um, and that was kind of like uh, you know the beginning of all that kind of shit. It, it's wild how like – you know, like the band, like Bad Luck. You know, like and they still they play now as they now they're Eat the Turnbuckle. Oh, dude, you got to get them for Maddie Fest next year. Maybe offshoot. <laughs> yeah, offshoot. They, we'll do an offshoot show. They put one guitar. I saw them play, and one guitarist jumped through the other guitarist while he laid it on the table on fire. Amazing! It was incredible. Just didn't miss a note. <laughs> didn't miss a note. Didn't miss no. a note. It's got two deathmatch wrestlers in the band. Really? Yeah, they're like really integrating yeah. themselves right into the wrestling world. It was gnarly, dude. Those dudes didn't fuck around. Like that show was like, 
that stuff made like haymaker shows look soft. Yeah, 100%. You know, like it was yep. just like, that's the thing where it's just like, oh, you threw a chair. You know, like a hay- yeah. haymaker, cause sometimes haymaker shows like didn't go completely off. Yeah, when they didn't go off, it was a weird vibe. Yeah, yeah. it was just like, wait, these guys aren't, are, are, is this good music? Wait, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I'll just run up and punch that guy in the face. <laughs> you know, like you're just like, I'm gonna go sucker punch that guy and hey, Throw the steed. Throw, throw a stool. Come on, someone's got chuck it. Chuck a stool. Chuck a stool. Someone chuck a stool. Everyone's tired and hungover. Everyone's just like, ah, like a half, like a, a half-assed haymaker show. It's like, ham bone, throw the stool. You know? Like, fuck. But yeah, bad luck every time. It's like, bats are on fire, pig's head flying, like. Naked people, little Gigi Allen dicks everywhere. It's a wild show. It's a wild show. <laughs> I guess speaking of, uh, you know, Gigi Allen-esque uh, yeah. stagecraft, uh, when was the first time you met the Alexis guys? Uh, first time I ever met the Alexis guys was... Uh, you I met Dallas first, I guess? No. I think the first person I met was George because I think maybe Hanging Hearts, my hardcore band, played with Condemning Salem, which George played bass in. What did Hanging Hearts sound like again? Bro, hard. Fuck it. I'll, I'll find, I'll find something. There's gotta be something. There's somewhere. gotta be something. Cause there, we did a demo. We did a demo and, uh, we were hard. It was fucking sick. I'm, I'm like, I, I, I like, I was always like, we're fucking good. <laughs> That's awesome. But it was just like, it, it was amazing. At one point we had uh, a Moog player. It was incredible. <laughs> we were still like as hardcore as it was. Like it was this like it was fucking as hardcore as it was. We had a friend, Evan Cardwell. Because Matt Brassa played bass in it, right? Oh yeah. And Matt Brassa is like this amazing kind of musician guy yep. who went on to do a bunch of cool bands, Sailboats Are White. And uh But Evan Cardwell, it was amazing. Evan Cardwell's dad was a a priest. And he lived at the house. At, at the church okay. right? and I remember his parents would travel a fair bit for work and like yeah. go and preach or priest at other tr- congregations or whatever the fuck and I remember we used to and they, they had a ton of music like uh, instruments like, yeah, and shit yeah. and so we would like even like practice at this church sometimes and I remember one time we were all on acid and his, <laughs> his dad had this like amazing like train set and we were like playing with this train set and then we weren't like allowed to go up in like the chapel. And we were like, let's go. We're all fucking, or maybe I was just on acid or a few of us were, but we all remember we were just on acid and we like went up and like had a full like easy rider moment. Like we all went up into the church and then we were like stuck in the chapel looking at the statues and like, it was like a turning like almost like a bad trip. And, uh, but we like hanging hearts. We were just like um like a metal chord fuck it. It was good, like it wasn't too metally there was like no singing bullshit or anything like that. It was just like straightforward, like hardcore. Sex Tears I thought was good too. Sex Tears is great. Yeah. Jonah recorded forty five minutes, banged it out. Well, wait, the seven inch? Yeah, we made that we recorded the music in like forty five minutes. Did it ever come that never came out though? No. <laughs> It's on Bandcamp. It's on Bandcamp. It is on Bandcamp. Okay. So yeah, Sex Tears it. is on Bandcamp. Yeah. Nighttime. I didn't know Jonah recorded it. Yeah, Jonah recorded. Dude, because that was like when How? we when we started Maddie Fest. Yeah. It was my thirtieth birthday, so okay. seven years ago. Yeah. It was my thirtieth birthday, and I told Liam, and I was like, "Yo, I want a band for my thirtieth birthday. I want to play in a punk band." And they're like, "Okay, we'll fucking do it, Maddie." And so it was pretty much like Cancer Bat. It was like Aner, Aner, Liam, and and Jay. 
And we, we literally, we, on like the Monday, we wrote eight songs. On the Wednesday, we practiced. And then on the Friday, we played the first show. And so we, 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 we did that. And then the next week, we recorded with Jonah. And then we played, uh, like a Skate for Cancer show at Sneaky D's. Yeah. yeah. Which I was like super sick for actually, which kind of sucked, which is on YouTube. That set is on YouTube. <laughs> Find that. It's horrible. It's horrible. Like my mic cord gets stuck in the mic stand. It, I blow my voice out in the first song. It's horrible. Who else played that Skate for Cancer show? I don't remember. Cancer Bats maybe? Maybe. I don't even think so. Every show you say, I'm Cancer Bats play. <laughs> yeah, you're like, so Cancer Bats? Cancer Bats play. Amwa. played every show. Yeah, yeah. And, and fucking... And, and, but the first the first time I ever played, I think, with Condemning Salem, it was like a bunch of bands from like Syracuse, like Darker Skies Tomorrow, Dark Skies Tomorrow, or something like that. Played Niagara Falls, and like Hanging Hearts played, Condemning Salem. And then that's when I met George, and then we became buddies, and then we started playing together. And then I think I did like a, a show. I would always go see like Helicon Blue was Dow's band. Mm-hmm. And then Wade was in like a Misfits cover band with like Steel or some shit, like District Nine or something. Astro Zombies? Astro Zombies? I don't know. Maybe. Fuck, he said on his episode too, I should remember this. Who fucking remembers Misfits stuff? But it's just like, it, it, it was like all those, we were just all the kids in Niagara. Like I was from Fort Erie, they're from St. Catharines, Grimsby, Hamilton, St. Cat, like all that kind of shit. So like there wasn't a lot of kids. Still, like you would go to a show and there'd be like 150 kids, hopefully. Mm-hmm. That was a big show. And, and then we started doing shows in Fort Erie. And I think like, I remember we got every time I die to play one and we did it at the native center and it was just like legendary. It was like a giant uh, gymnasium. It was like gymnasium, no stage, uh, on the floor. in the corner. So it, like it's <laughs> yeah. tight. And like, I think there was like a, somebody moshing with a scooter and, and it's just <laughs> like, it was like Ellington played Zion. Fucking, I remember Zion played a show that we put on in a church in like Welland and he fucking, he like broke the mic stand and like smashed up the, he like smashed the floor somehow and it was just like brutal. I was like, this is like a DIY show. Like, yeah, why, you bring, why are you actually like ruining the venue? Yeah. Like, don't ruin the, now we can't play here anymore. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. It's amazing how New Day Rising sucked. Okay. Zion sucks. <laughs> New Day Rising sucked. Fuck you. Black Mario is the fucking worst. Fuck you for smashing our fucking floor. Chris. 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 You don't even remember that shit. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fucking New Day Rising. Fucking Black Maria. Grade has two good songs. Fuck you guys. Grade? Do you think it has two good songs? You never like Grade? No. I remember first, the first time I saw Grade was like at a Bane show. There was like a Bane Grade tour. And uh, it was like One King Down. It was like One King Down, Grade, and like Bane or something. Was some that in Burlington or was it in Buffalo? That was in Buffalo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I never saw – it was weird. Like I never saw like a lot – like when I went – and it's funny because like when I moved to Toronto, I definitely transitioned into like – because I think that Toronto is way more punk than hardcore. Yeah, I would agree. I and agree. so I think that like when I moved to Toronto, I got into like career suicide and mm-hmm. fucked up mm-hmm. and, and R&R. Like I, for some reason, R&R, R&R. Was sticking out in my – like R&R was like I loved R&R for some reason. But it's just like – and like punch in the face and, and even like think I care. Yeah. And like like when I think of Toronto, like bands that came to Toronto, those are the bands that I kind of think of. Yeah, yeah. Like 86 Mentality and Rights and like more like punky shit. Mm-hmm. 
Less like there was like way less like American hardcore shows. Well, that came back in a big way. Like that time you were talking about when Career Suicide and you know, fucked up and Brutal Nights and Brutal Nights, fucking Tank, fucking yeah. Bayonets, <coughs> fucking. There's a million hands down and Urban Blade. Yeah. And like it's so funny, Urban Blade. Whenever I travel, people ask me about Urban Blade. Yeah, dude. It is a fucking. It is a in in Orange County specifically. People want to know about it, dude. I see people wearing Urban Blight shirts more often than I'd like to even talk about. But yep. every time I'm just like, huh. They're definitely looked back upon as being like one of the great, you know, obscure type bands it's of the so era. It's so weird. Yeah. It's not so weird. They're a good fucking band. And I think it's amazing for beef. But it's just like, it's it's very funny to me. Because even I was, what was the, the, their last thing was More Reality? The, they did the, or, uh, something they did a maybe? seven inch. No, they did a seven inch in England, I think was the last thing, right? Okay. But what was the, their last LP? More reality. More reality. Yeah. It's so weird. Like, I still, when I picture Urban Blight, it's just like Andrew McCracken is playing bass. Yeah, and, uh, you know? And, uh, uh that's gonna fuck shit up. That's right? gonna fuck shit up a little bit. But we're almost. We're almost People are doing landscaping. People are landscaping. We're in the middle of the urban <laughs> jungle right now. Yeah. But, uh, but it's so wild when you think about, like, you know, Urban Blight becoming a legendary band, Alexa on Fire becoming like a fucking mainstream giant band, Dallas Green becoming like stadium, a stadium rocker, yourself becoming a fucking huge, huge. international celebrity. I'm an international celebrity. But it's like, and it's like just so many, like it's, and we're talking about Toronto, even when the time when you moved to the city, like people knew about the Deadly Snakes, maybe. Yeah. People knew about Broken Social Scene, maybe. Like, they hadn't blown up yet. No. Like, it was But still... even, like, it was just, like, Goner Records. It was just, like, a perfect time where, like, it was just a perfect music time. Mm-hmm. Where, where punk and hardcore and, and, and it's so funny because I feel like right now the world is so chaotic that good music is going to start coming out again. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, like, maybe it was, like, I, I don't know why it was just, like, it was such a fucking good time for punk and, and folky shit and fucking rock and like punk. Like, Garner Records was like on fire. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Garner like could do no wrong. And it was just like all that shit, like that fucking jangly fucking punk heroin, fucking surfing on cocaine or surfing on heroin ripoff shit. Like, it was so fucking good. Like, luckily, Jay Retard, Blood Visions, like one of the best records Dude. ever, in my opinion. Crazy. And it's like, but it's also a record that's kind of like a, a tribute to what you're talking about. Like that's a time period that even like the OCs, took people, yeah. Like it's just like it is that time, like mm-hmm. that video of the, that dude, fucking homie, <laughs> hitting teen off on Dan Burke, <laughs> hitting with his guitar. That is, dude, it's so good. Like that shit's the best. Like it's Dan just Dan. Have you has he done one? I want to do one with Dan. We talked about it, but he just hasn't done it. He doesn't have the yet. time. He just has. <laughs> Just have to, have to, yeah. Dan's like, ah, the schedule. There's the schedule. I've interviewed Dan. Like, I, I first met Dan when I was 14 years old. Yeah. And I remember one time him calling my house. It would, I would have been a 14. <laughs> and he's like, it's like 2 a.m. I pick up the phone trying to get it before my stepfather, who's a fucking psycho, gets it. Yeah. And he picks up at the same time. And I just hear, we're both like listening to the guy on the other end. It's, oh, oh man, who am I calling here? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Uh, Damien from Mods and Rockers. <laughs> and said, Who the fuck is this? Get off the phone. <laughs> like, like, Don't worry, Glenn. I got it. I got it, Glenn. It's okay, Glenn. Yeah. I want to talk to you about playing a Bluebird song on this week's episode of Mods and Rockers, Damien. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> so Have you crazy. seen Nirvana the band of the show? Yeah. That first episode where they got like the 20-minute phone call from Dan Burke in the episode? 
I haven't seen that. They I ca- only saw like parts of it. They called Dan about how to get a show for their band and didn't tell him that it was for the TV show till afterwards. And he gave them like 30 minutes of like heartfelt advice on how to break into the music God industry. God bless him. God bless him. He's broken some souls, that guy. He's broken some souls. Well, I think Toronto broke some souls. Oh, dude. Yeah, everyone I know has gone to rehab. Or yeah. most, like it's like it's a funny thing. Like it is a it's a it's a it's a crazy it's a it's such an amazing thing to even see like it, like I'm even trying to think of like the last time I saw like Youth of Today play at like Wrong Bar and like now that yeah. Wrong Bar is like a weird tiki restaurant. Yeah. It's just like an amazing kind of thing to see venues, even like what Parts of Labor was to what it Parts of Labor you know after Pesci left. Shout out to Pesci, man. Shout out to Pesci. Shout dude, out to Mark, dude. What he did, it, it was so great. And then, you know, like so many different shitty circumstances happened. And then we stopped doing like live music and just turned into like DJ nights. Mm-hmm. Just And that's when I fully pulled out and didn't give a fuck. And like all of a sudden that was like kind of – it was like the live music. Like Parts of Labor was such a fucking moment in Toronto music itself. And then, and then literally – when 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 it fell apart because of hundreds of noise complaints and 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 everything that we kind of did to destroy that vibe and i think it's an amazing thing because it's just like good shit doesn't last long no and it's just like it's kind of a moment it had a moment it like you know even mets being a part of maddie fest Mm -hmm. that moment was huge for mets like that was a mets moment of them beginning in the basement and like i think a lot of bands kind of started off playing shows there like i remember when mac demarco would play in the basement you know like yeah. it's it's like or like maybe it was like still make out videotape but it's just like like how many times did ty siegel play the basement yeah how many times did those people play like people forget all those small venues that they played very quickly yeah but i think like and even i forget most of them because i was fucked up most of the time but it's just like i think that there was such like having I never even thought of it as having my own music venue. Literally. I never it, it, was, it was always Maddie's Clubhouse for a while. Dude, it was Maddie I could give away as much beer, do as much yeah. coke, fucking do whatever the fuck I wanted. And I could give all my friends all of the beer yeah. and all the coke. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like I could literally give away so that's why we were probably still not open. But it's just like <laughs> But I never – I still to this day when I, I think of Parts of Labor as a restaurant. Yeah. But it's just like in the basement, the shop was like – you know, and, and Brian Riche was – like he loved music more than anything too. Yeah. And that's like when we when we had Odd Fellows and we started doing like DJ nights in a restaurant, which like was very unheard of at that time. We All we want – we were like we just want a place that we can like watch a Sonic Youth cover band. And then, like, in the basement and, like, throw beer at them and then, like, eat good food upstairs. Well, that was the thing. I think, you, you know, a lot of bands forget their early shows. I don't think anyone would forget that show because it would be – you'd eat so well. Like, yeah. it would be like – it was like uh, – Well, we would always like, want to feed everyone. Even, like, a Maddie Fazzing. Dude, we did the Not Dead Yet. That was one of the last live shows ever was when we did – we did, like – it was, like, Turnstile. It was, like, Turnstile, Code Orange, Power Trip. Like, Which is wild to think about now. Yeah, it's like having all those, even yeah. that saying that, like having all those guys in the basement. Mm-hmm. And I remember we did the long, we made a, like a long sleeve and we had all the bands on the long sleeve and I did this like unity, unity barbecue thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And all the bands had their merch set up upstairs and I was like, for what, for a second it felt like having, it was just like a, it was a really an amazing thing. You know, like having like the merch table set up on the dinner tables and yeah. like it was like a fest and like people brought records. To, didn't you bring records and sell, yep. sell them at that show? Yeah. It was a, it was like one of the few – like I think 
parts and labor is the end of the era we're talking about, right? Like that's that like was the, the nail in the coffin. Yeah, it was like the it was like the we all got older. Yeah, it was like the scene. That whole scene just transitioned out of being punk and into dads and, and everyone moms. got bigger too, right? Like all these bands you're talking about, like they all Mac DeMarco, Ty Seagal, like dude, Mac Code DeMarco, got a Grammy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, got a Grammy nomination. So, dude, it's crazy. It is crazy, and it's it, it, it's a crazy thing now. And I haven't even. I'll use this opportunity to even talk about the thing that I'm doing. Yeah, is is I'm really. It's so funny and kind of cheesy but I'm really stoked on it is I'm releasing my cookbook on vinyl. You are? You're yeah. reading the thing? I it, it you can buy, you can already buy oh, the, the audiobook, yeah. The audiobook, but I'm I'm releasing it on vinyl. How many albums is that going to be? We're doing a select it's it's oh, two LPs. From. It's two LPs. It's a double LP and I'm putting it out on fucking Roadrunner. On Roadrunner Records. Yeah. Oh my and god. It's like, Full circle, man. And I got like a zine. We made like a zine out of it. And we did like a it looks like a metal album. And we made and I'm like, I finally have it's a, and I did this whole like weird heartfelt write-up about like how I never actually I always wanted to be in bands, but I, I was a chef instead kind of thing. And I kind of facilitated music through the restaurant and I always wanted vinyl. I and I never had like all the stupid little music things that I've done are just jokes. It never did anything with. And it's funny that like the way that I the way that I have a major album release. Yeah. And I like I'm like I didn't even put out a set like I'm like my first release ever on vinyl is on a major record label that like changed my life. Because like even like Sepultura was like I remember I had detention for like two months straight once. And like the only album, because it was like Chaos AD was the perfect like time for like my detention <laughs> fucking thing. And I had like, I only listened to Chaos AD like every single day. It was either like that or like Machine Head. And it was just like, I only listened to like fucking bands on Roadrunner. Like Roadrunner records turned into like my victory records. Yeah. You know? And it was just like, it was a, such a funny thing because I met fucking Ricky from fucking Backtrack and fucking he came to a dinner. He came to a dinner at Roberta's and I was just like, yeah, man, like I, I it was for my book tour and I was just like, man, I want to, I want to, I'm doing this like audio book and I really want to, I want to put it out on vinyl. And he's like, we should do that. And I'm just like, what do you mean? Like we, he's like, I work at Roadrunner. And I was just like, well, what do you, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> like Roadrunner is going to put out a spoken word Recipe LP? Like, it's just recipes. Yeah. It's me literally speaking, like, one cup of spaghetti, <laughs> one cup of garlic. You know, like, it's like, literally, I read every word. It's a funny kind of thing. <laughs> and, dude, we had, like, he pitched it, and it fucking went. I went to Roadrunner Records and met the dudes, and it was, like, the wildest thing. And it, Sex Tears is going to come out of Roadrunner is what you're saying. Straight from Bandcamp to Roadrunner. No. I just I was just like, now, but I was just like, now I have an in. I was like, I want to start a fucking band. Yeah. I was just like, I want to start a fucking band now and just like put it out. I was just like, yeah, just put it out on Roadrunner. Because it's just, at the end of the day, it's just about selling shit. Yep. I can sell shit. So like put me on a major label. Yep. I'll fucking make, I, I was like even talking to like Ben about it. I was like, Ben, let's just write a fucking album. I'll sing on it. And I guarantee we'll sell thousands of records. Oh, easy. And I was just like, it was, it's a funny thing. And I'm like, that's not doing it for the right reasons. I was like, like <laughs> well, and you know, like we've even talked about it. Cause I was just like, like, it's so funny. Like we've got like, I'm like, we even have names and like, we've talked about it like enough where it's like, even Jordo's like demoed some stuff. <laughs> And I was just like, <laughs> it's like Ben, Jordo, me. And I was just like, I don't know. It's funny. But but that's a funny thing because it's just like, 
through all of this whole shit of my life and like wherever the fuck I'm at, it's just like I still at the end of the day, like the biggest thing I'm most stoked about is 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 like putting this record out. And I'm putting it out on the one year anniversary of, of the the book came out like October 9th. So we'll release this album uh in October. And it's like it's such a funny thing. Like I, like I got to being on one of my favorite music record labels and putting out vinyl through actually staying the course of who I am, mm-hmm. which is I'm a chef, mm-hmm. not a not a fucking musician. And it's like a, such a funny, weird, full circle for me. And it's like one of those moments where you're like, I'm, I get to hold my own vinyl. I have my own vinyl. Like it's just like a fucking crazy, weird thing. It's like somebody who collects music is just like, I've never had that feeling. You know, I've, I've, it's the same kind of feeling that I feel like I'll have when I t- got my first cookbook mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or like I've opened business. Like I, I still feel it's like a different feeling than even opening a restaurant. Like it, it's such a weird sentiment. Like, cause You've I never wanted it for so long. Well, I've never, yeah. I, I, I had to learn that I wanted to be a chef even. I never, it wasn't like I was a young age punk kid that wanted to be a chef. I was always a punk kid that wanted to be punk. And I just wanted to be a punk hardcore kid forever. And, I, and it's an amazing thing because I am. And the thing about it is like even with being – it's amazing how much money I turned down because of the foundation I have. And it's, and it's amazing. It's really like the greatest thing ever. Like people – I like I'm so – I think back on it and like the way that people are in the hardcore community and that all that cliche bullshit – those talks you hear people talk and like people used to go off with talks and it's just like, but that shit like sinks in. And it's just like, even still to this one day, the thing that I think is one of the coolest thing. I remember Aaron from Bain, I was standing next to him at this show and we were standing like kind of like side stage and he was just, he talked to himself. He's just like, I'm not going to be some fucking stage potato. And he like went and like moshed for, I don't know, maybe like reach the sky or something like that. Yeah. And I remember hearing that and being like, man, that's so sick. Like, I'm going to just stay here on stage and watch reach the sky maybe. But it was so cool. <laughs> yeah. He was talking to himself. He's like, yo, fuck this. And kind of like went and got in the fucking pit. Yeah. And I was just like, man, that's so sick. And it's just like, I think there's moments in life where like you take side stage, you get in the pit and, but you have that mentality. Like I always have that mentality of like, it's so weird because it's, it's just like, a lot of people probably think I'm a sellout or I am what I am or whatever, all this kind of stuff. And it's just like a really funny thing because it's, it's, I always fight with it too of like, like my, my, my I'm my own worst enemy. Like I'm still like, my brain is a hundred percent way more punker than most people, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's a funny thing to fucking say. But like in my head, I'm like, I'm still like, I sleep on my friend's couch when I come to Toronto. Like that's like I sleep on my friend's couch when I when I ever I'm in Toronto I sleep on my friend's couch I will fucking you know I would sleep on the floor at my friend like, you know like it's just like I just have that like I don't I don't need all this fucking fancy bullshit I just want to like still in my brain I just want to get like wasted and mosh to Chromex mm-hmm. and Rancho Relaxo mm-hmm. like if I could like get paid the money I can pay <laughs> to do you know like if I could switch that out. It would be an amazing thing, but it's just like I need to provide for my family now and like do things like that. And it's just like I think it, it, it's a funny balance of like things that I do. And, it, and it's an amazing thing because even now with the kind of like the bigger that I'm getting and like when when I left Vice and now I'm on my own 
and I'm about to release all my own shit that I've done actually myself. Like I'm releasing my own new YouTube show that mm-hmm. I shot, paid for myself, and I invested truly in myself and done it my fucking way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, I got no one else to blame. I'm putting it out myself. I'm doing it my fucking self. And I was just like, it was an amazing thing because I had that mentality of like, I don't need fucking a major label. I don't need a network. I like cooking and making people laugh. I want to fucking, I want to do this. That's it. And it, it was just like, but I knew that I could because so many people that I admire from the past have done it themselves. Mm-hmm. Like just get in the van. Like the biggest part is jumping. Like that's the scariest part is just like fucking just do it, man. Like the only difference between doing it and not doing it is doing it. You know, like it's a funny fucking thing. And it's just like, but that's it. And it's just like, I think like having the mentality that I have is like a hundred percent based off of like reading hardcore lyrics and like read it, going to hardcore shows and interacting with those types of people, good and bad and learning what not to do at shows, learning what to do at shows and being in this like weird, extremely positive, extremely violent kind of like upbringing, you know? And it's just like, and that's allowed me to guide myself through this. And then when push came to shove to like, be like, Hey, instead of waiting for people to give me money to do things like a branded hot sauce or a stupid toilet paper or whatever the fuck, who knows what the fuck it is. I was like, I'm just going to start making my shit myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Maybe I'm going to drain my bank account and that's going to be a little scary for me and my family. But, you know, I have to do that because I'm just like, I need to see if I can do it myself. Mm-hmm. And I never have. And I'm like, I, 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 that's the biggest thing too that I think, um, like, I think it's like the punk, like I'm going way more punk now than I've ever even been. Whereas it's just like, I have all these eyes on me. I have all of these opportunities and now I get to do the things my way. And I have more control than I have ever had mm-hmm. because I, I have the power of like people like me. So now I can be like, hey, I want to do an album. And they're like, yeah, let's do an album. I can be like, hey, I'm going to shoot my own TV show. Oh, wait, no one's going to say anything because I'm going to do it myself. And I'm in control of the edits. I'm in control of the fucking everything. And it's just like that's the fucking punkest shit ever to be fully in control of your shit, right? <laughs> Well, I think you kind of invented your own thing too. You like black flagged this this being a chef thing, you know. And there were celebrity chefs before you, yeah, no. But it, the way you did it was really different. Like I watch a lot of food TV, yeah, and just like like you know there was you know like it wasn't like Emerald Lagasse was bringing along the local hardcore band that he saw growing up, you know. It wasn't like he was, you know, like you kind of DIY created this thing that you are. Right. Like, you know, a lot of people are going to follow in your footsteps and try and follow in your footsteps now. But like, I don't know, like maybe I just maybe I'm ignorant and maybe there's other people that you look to. But I kind of think you just built your own world. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Well, yeah, I I definitely am building my own shit. But I think that that's just like, um, I don't know, because the celebrity thing is a funny thing. It's just a funny, weird thing because it's it always makes me feel instantly like a loser. Because I'm like celebrities most of the time. Most of the celebrities I've met are fucking losers. And so then I'm just like, I'm not a fucking loser. I'm a fucking regular dude, actually. And that's very normal. And if you come up to me, it's so funny. Like yesterday on the street, like three guys were walking. I got out of my truck to go to this restaurant. And three dudes like like jaws dropped. And we're like, I was like, hey, what's up, guy? Like, hi. You know? And they're just like, uh. I'm just like, whoa, get out of here. You know? Like yeah. it's just like. 
I'm just like, and they're like, what do you do? Like, I always love that, like, the thing of like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Like, where should I be? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to my friend's restaurant. I drive my own car. Like, I, I'm, I'm paying for my parking on my app. Yeah. You know, like, I'm in the city. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, uh, I, I just think it's a, it's a funny thing. But the celebrity thing is just like, it, it really beats me up because it's just like, and we use a lot. It takes, it, it's an amazing thing to use the amount of energy we spend on making sure, like, even in press that they don't use, like, celebrity chef. Yeah, because it, 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 it doesn't even work. But like, we always like whenever I do stuff, we're like, "Can you please not call me a celebrity chef? Can you just call me Manny? Can you please just call me Manny Matheson, chef, TV creator, whatever, like content creator, whatever the fuck you? I don't give a fuck." Well, now, you, now you really know what it's like to be a musician, where you put yourself into the world and people interpret you completely differently than you wanted them to interpret you. Yeah, you can't pick your fans <laughs> no, either. No. You know, you can't pick your fans, you can't pick your thing, and it's just like, everyone's just like, so you, like, you're like a bro chef? And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. I'm like, I don't think I'm a bro chef. Have you watched my videos? I think I'm just like, I'm me. And I don't think I am a fucking, I don't think I am a bro, I'm loud. And I'm not even like, in real, like, I'm like, I don't know. It just always breaks my brain, because I'm like, I'm like the, uh, I'm definitely a loud alpha male, I guess, kind of thing. But I'm like, it, it always breaks my brain because I'm like, I hate bros. I hate jocks. I ha- like, I hate jocks. Mm-hmm. I hate going to sporting events. I hate all of that stuff so much. And then when people are like, like, or I hear people are like, oh, he's just like fucking a bro chef or something. I don't know. It like, it really like that shit really hurts me in some weird way because it's I just like, that. I'm just like, man, I do like cool shit. It's really reductive of what you do and like – Well, it just belittles I think all the hard work that I do and I'm just like – it's so easy to just be like, oh, he yells and he takes his shirt off. I'm just like – because even now like I'm done. Like I'm like – I just did this press photo and I got to the point where I'm like, this is the last time I've ever taken my fucking shirt off. And I'm like – I'm just like I'm, – I'm, it's, it's just – like I'm on the cover of Now Magazine Yeah. with my fucking shirt off and I don't know – I'm just done with it. I don't, I haven't taken my shirt off on stage in four years. Yeah. You know, like, it's just like a thing where you're just like, you, you're doing it and then it becomes a thing and you're like, ah. Yeah. Fuck you. And I'm you don't done. have to. No. Like, especially, you know, it's not like people will stop liking you if you stop taking your shirt off. It's just like, it's just. No, it's just, it's so frustrating because like every time I do a photo, the yeah. photographer wants that shot. Yeah. Cause they saw that one shot and it's just like, and I just like, and I did it the last time. And I was just like, yeah, sure. And I like, my, it's easy to take a shirt off. Yeah. Takes a second. And it's just like, but it, it, but it sucks because it's, it's like, when I do these like speaking tours and I do these like book tours and stuff and I do meet and greets, it's crazy how many people want a photo with your shirt off. And I'm like, if I take my shirt off, everyone's going to want me to, and I'm like, you hug 300 fucking people with your shirt off. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck off. And I was just like, and I always, I'm like, I'm not a fucking goat. You know, like, I'm like, I'm just me. I'm right here. This is real. I'm not going to, or like the amount of time people are just like, can you yell at me? And I'm like, why would I yell at you? <laughs> or like, do something. You know, it's the be- the craziest thing ever is when people ask to do something crazy in a photo. And I'm like, when have I, <laughs> and I'm like, when I, I, I just want to know when I've done something crazy. Yeah. What's crazy that I've ever done? I'm like, have you watched any of my content? What's crazy? I talk. I don't do anything crazy. I'm not eating eyeballs or like eating dicks or like doing all this stupid bullshit. What have I done anything that is crazy, my friend? Yeah. I'm just so original. I think you do crazy shit, but that was not on camera. And that yeah. was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I'll do, 
you know, I used to do crazy. I used to do. I love doing crazy. I'm a crazy person, but it's just like I'm just like I find it so funny that people come up and that like they always want the thing. Yeah, and or, or they they come. You know, it's the worst when people come up and do an imitation of you to me, of your like they're doing it. They're like, hey, I'm Maddie. You're like, I'm going. <laughs> I like legitimately want to like cut my face off. <laughs> And you're just like it's, it's. I find it so wild. There's this one. It's amazing. There's this one dude who plays guitar in Kensington Market. Every time he sees me, he like. I think it is. I don't know. He's not completely sound. You okay? But every time he sees me, he's like a big fan, and he like loves. He'll like start playing the pan- pancakes. <laughs> Fuck cops! Like that thing that I like did, like in my pancakes video. The first video. He'll start playing. Like he'll play it at me every time he sees. He'll be like, "Maddie!" Like he'll get me. I'll be like grocery shopping or just whatever, going and buying vintage or something. And like he'll see me, and it's happened so many times. I'm just always just like, "Hey!" I'm like, I just don't like that kind of stuff. Is like stuff that makes me want to just like not do anything. That's the stuff that makes me want to like. That's like the cringy shit that makes me want to like give it all up because of those like few people. People always ask me like, I came up on the George episode, like George and I, I don't know if you heard that when George Pett and I were talking about no. it, but like people always ask me about you. Yeah. Like, you know, and I've done stuff with a lot, a lot of people, but it's just always like, have you met Maddie? Like you work advice. Have you met Maddie? <laughs> What's he like? And it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I wonder do you think it's because like people know you through social media? Because it just seems like I, I'm just like I am an oversharer, so it's just like my social media is like a hundred percent like my like now it's like my family and like it's very different than what I used but to. But they be. seem not to know you. Like that's what I'm saying. Like you look at your social media, you kind of get a good like, idea of who cause, you are. Because the thing is, is what the thing that people say to me the most is like you're actually a nice guy. <laughs> that's the the thing that always happens. Yeah, you're actually nice, and I'm like, what would I be? Have you not seen like do you think that that's do you think I'm an actor or do you think that like I'm happy? Yeah. My life is I'm my life is a I'm stressed about a million fucking things. I'm so happy. Genuinely. Yeah. I have two healthy beautiful children. I love my wife. I love like I own a farm. Mm-hmm. I used to get eviction notices 6 years ago cuz I would take all my wife's money and do cocaine. Like, my life is amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a genuine gratitude across the board is something that people don't really actually think can be real. And I think, like, that's the thing that's the craziest thing is, like, my life used to be chaos. I was always a good enough chef to hold it together and not get fired. But it really came to an end. And then and then I legitimately just was able to turn myself around a bit and, and, and focus. And I'm like, dude, my life is sick. Mm-hmm. My life is so sick. I got enough money to pay my bills. I'm rich. I'm not a millionaire. Far from it. But you know the thing the, 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 I can pay my bills, mm-hmm. and that's all I'm stoked on. Like it, like when 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 I, when I first started making like a little bit of money, like like I remember I was just like I just don't want to. I want to get to the point where I um, don't have to check my bank app if I fill up my tank. That's my, that was my biggest goal. I was like, if I can like any point in my life go to a gas station and like, I, and still to this day, I, I get panic attacks every time I swipe my credit card. Cause I'm like, it's gonna be, cause I lived my entire life getting a credit card, running it, throwing it out, getting another one, running on debt, fucking sk- stealing and moving money and like being a scummy guy. Mm-hmm. 
And, and, and it's just like, I find when people meet me and they say, Oh, you're, you're like a really nice guy. I'm like, yeah, I'm a nice guy. Cause I was always a nice guy, but I was a fucking a mess. But now I'm like, I figured it out completely where I'm like, I have legitimate businesses mm-hmm. and I have like love for myself and I'm putting out a fucking spoken word cookbook with Roadrunner Records. Like it's just like my dreams have come true. And it's like there's I don't even have any more dreams because I'm like I, I fucking I can fill my tank up any fucking time. And it's just like and that's and, and I'm happy with that. Like, you know, like I'm not like it's crazy. Like I don't need to be a millionaire and, and, and have all these crazy kind of things and watches and all this stuff that I see a lot of my friends who are have become bigger and I've become friends with like a lot of celebrities and other kind of like actual celebrities and all these things. And it's just like it's crazy to see how people spend their money and their things. And it's just like I just want to buy a tractor, I think. The tractor is really expensive. But I'm like I want to buy a tractor so like next year I can like till and make a fucking actual like a massive vegetable garden and like that's the stuff that i'm kind of thinking about and then like how do i make my like i'm trying to like not even disappear but like i'm trying to figure out like how to like stay home more and 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 garden and and open up like some restaurants and just get back to like that kind of stuff and shooting my own content Mm -hmm. And, and, and like i think like that and like that's the coolest thing ever to me. Like that's the punkest shit ever where I'm like, I figured it out. And within five years, I'm in a place that, um, I can start trying to figure out how to like set up my entire life and my family's life. And like, that's the most exciting thing now. And that's come through my foundation 100% through hardcore, how I deal with business, how I deal with my like life, how I present myself is like through that hardcore mentality always which is a funny like it is part of my dna it is part of my foundation it's the reason i am was strong enough to get clean like i i it was like going back like when i first got clean i was like i am only listening to fucking like minor threat and like youth of today like that really helped me mm-hmm. like all of that shit like because i was never straight edge i was never a fake straight edge guy i i never had an inkling of being straight edge i always loved youth crew and straight edge music but i never ever once questioned uh, drugs and alcohol, <laughs> drugs and alcohol. <laughs> like never yeah. you know yeah and, and 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 it's just but like once again when i needed hardcore it was there for me and when i when um and that's the thing too is like i i have always wanted to to reciprocate first opportunity of opening a large massive restaurant what's the first thing we do punk shows first opportunity i i'm now in a position to throw fucking a music festival in our city half the bands are bands that played maddie fest yeah half the bands are my friends yeah still shining i could like easily have gotten like different fucking bands you know but it's just like at my heart i'd be a sellout if i didn't get like my friends to play and my whole thing is like i want to have my friends involved in everything i do i still would have liked to have seen tony victory fronting a strife uh show doing only songs from uh just a seven inch, <laughs> yeah from so only the strong comp <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> only the strong comp exactly so it, 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 yeah like i i would love that too no, i love it like next year like i, I like in my in my brain 
I would love Maddie Fest to even turn into fucking like a three day festival where it was like metal and hardcore, folk and like fucking rap and whatever. Some of this jam band bullshit on there. Yeah, it's, well, we'll get some jam. <laughs> no, band. no jam. Yeah, fish. I'm gonna get fish the headline. <laughs> Maddie, thank you for doing this again, man. You're welcome. Come back for a part three at some point in the future. Whatever you want. It'll this just take a, another year. Okay, well, this one, you were one of the first people I ever wanted to interview this podcast because I think, like, I touched on it earlier when I was saying it to you, but, like, you you punk rocked this thing. You created this whole thing, and, and I saw it, like, firsthand witnessing it, and it was 100% from punk rock. Like, there was no major label involvement. There was nothing. No. It was just you doing it, so. And now I'm bigger than ever, and I'm doing it myself. DIY no I die. see I used I used I used all the system to get where I am and now I'm by myself and now I'm better than ever. Boom, back. You're, use the system. Use the system. You manipulate the system, use it for yourself and then create yourself. Okay, now you're going to teach me how to do that. <laughs> it's not as difficult as you can think. Oh, it's going to sell your soul a little bit. <laughs> I've already sold it. I got to buy it back. Dance harder or die. Thank you, Maddie, for coming on the show. And of course, Maddie's got that like New York Times best-selling cookbook. He's got like those those many, many million viewed YouTube videos that he did with Vice. He's got his, his own YouTube stuff. He's got he's got uh, he's got like um, a record coming out. You know, he's got a fest. Uh, so you can find Maddie all over the place, and he is that dude. It's really cool to see him kind of find that success and find that. You know, much needed sobriety because, you know, I can once again attest from watching it firsthand. He was someone who, uh, you know, it, it, it was really scary at various times. And, you know, he's been honest about this stuff and open about this stuff and, and talks about it, which is great because I think people need to hear this from from the lived experience he kind of has. But, yeah, like he, he, nearly, he nearly partied himself to death. So it's amazing to watch him have this incredible second act as just, you know. Like, I know he's a celebrity chef, but there's no other way to put it, right? Like, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, he's, he, and he's also an amazing cook. Still love his food. I still stand by that first parts and labor menu as being one of my favorite restaurant menus of any restaurant ever I've ever been to. So that is it. Thank you again, Maddie. Uh, okay. Well, next week on the show, let's keep it going. Let's get, let, you know, we got to go strong with next week, right? We just ended with a strong one. Let's keep keep the hits coming. Next week on the show... Or next episode on the show, I should say, because I'm, I'm trying to put out more than one a week now. So next episode on the show, Danita Sparks from the band L7. That's right. One of the best, I will say, one of the best punk bands ever, in my opinion. I love this band so much. And certainly, uh, you know, a huge, huge influence on on my band and, and countless other bands. So uh, incredible to get to the chance to talk to her. And this is a really revealing episode about... A lot of stuff I had no idea about musically, and it's it's fascinating. I'm I'm really excited for you to all to hear this, and that's it. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, thank you for believing this thing. I really believe that this is you know something that we've built together. People you know saying that they find this interesting really keeps me going on this thing, and I find every one of these episodes I learn something. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast and. Uh, go out there and make your own culture, sign your organ donor cards, and I will see you next week. Bye. I mean, next episode. It's next episode. Oh, God, I keep doing this next week thing, but next episode.